Hey, this is Kristen Yorka, host of the Wild Wonder podcast. I just wanted to jump in real quick and share with you a new opportunity on our Patreon page. Patreon subscribers now get access to the Wild Wonder book club, where we mainly focus on translated literary fiction and books by writers from marginalized communities. Book club members receive a monthly invite to our live coffee, no spoilers meetup, a Wild Wonder podcast tie-in, rituals, and more. To join our book club this month, become a Patreon supporter for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash wild wonder. Now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Wild Wonder Podcast, where we seek to democratize and demystify holistic wellness practices by speaking with today's wellness practitioners. I am your host, Kristen Yorka, and today we have Deneen Akers, and she is the author of Holy Troublemakers and Unconventional Saints, which I have my copy right here, and a promoter of the female form of God. Welcome and thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm so excited to chat with you today. So I want to take it back to the day we all discovered that we were going to be trapped indoors Mm -hmm. for the pandemic, um, because you may not remember, but you sent out a post, I believe, that said if anyone's working with children or have children, that you would love to gift them your book, Holy Troublemakers. And I actually received one of those books. And it was such a lifeline at the time. I could tell you specifically where I was. I received the book and I was sitting outside in a folding table, not knowing what was going on Mm. with this whole pandemic. And I remember opening up, I believe I was reading Alice Walker, maybe. Alice Paul, maybe. Alice Paul, sorry. Alice Alice Walker could be in there too. (laughs) Yeah, it's possible, right? (laughs) No, it was toward the beginning. So now that I'm looking at it, yes, it was Alice Paul because she's the first one. And I was just crying. And I, Mm. I don't know what it was. It just felt like, I had just gotten my footing and then everything's hard again. And, you know, reading these biographies about women that had it much harder than I did, but did the work and did it for us all, mm-hmm. I think just broke my heart in in, in a good way. So I just oh, want to know. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. You know, the book came out right before the pandemic. And so I have never gotten to do book you know, bookstore chats or anything with readers. So it's all been, you know, online interaction and I've often had littles at home, so I have not wanted to do a lot of live online anything. So it's super meaningful to hear that because, um, you, yeah, that just really feels good. I'm glad the book was able to meet you. The the people in the book met me that way too. Um, I started writing the book well, conceptualized the book and started researching and writing it after the 2016 election. And it was, it really became a lifeline and a soul saving way to see the world through the lens of these. Yeah. These people, like you say, who many of them have been through far harder times than I've been and they, they still showed up to, Mm -hmm. to to do the work and um, it's quite inspiring. So you kind of hinted at it, but what was the impetus for writing the book? If you don't mind going into it. Yeah. So the idea came to me. um, So my background is actually as a teacher, um, Mm -hmm. English teacher, and then also as a documentary filmmaker. And 
I had had my second, I have a pretty big age gap between my girls that's almost seven years. So I'd sort of like re-entered early, <laughs> early mamahood um, with my little and my eldest had asked for a um, like phone free. She didn't use those words necessarily, but she wanted me to not be on my phone for Christmas. Huh. Um, <laughs> which is sort of t telling uh, <laughs> that that was her ask. Uh, yeah, I felt a little convicted <laughs> about that. Um, so yeah, I had basically turned off all the things and it took about six weeks. Well, it took about three weeks before my mental chatter calmed down. Just the mm. noise Yeah. That, that I didn't even know was there from, oh, right. I need to respond to that or this or mm -hmm. like just having, you know, having an opinion about everything. And um not, not that I don't want to sometimes have an opinion or that I don't like reading other people's opinions, but the, the mental chatter required to maintain yeah. presences on these platforms has gotten to be an enormous toll, I think, especially for creatives, mm -hmm. um, probably for all of us. But so it took me a while to sort of just quiet my mind. And then I was on a very, very rare walk alone. And yeah, the idea just kind of came to me. Um, I loved the Rebel Girls, Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls. Yes, yes. Books. Mm -hmm. And I just thought they were beautiful. And I liked the short profile concept. And it was something I felt really comfortable sharing with. Um, oh, well, at that point, it was only really the older daughter who was reading um, books with me. And it was one of those things where I realized I, I had nothing that said anything about faith. Um, and I had mm -hmm. completely journeyed from a very different, um, like I grew up in a, uh, a loving but very conservative um, Christian home. Mm -hmm. that like now that I know people who grew up really, really funny, I realized we weren't <laughs> that far, but, um, you know, it, it, it had its moments and I, uh, like they still don't ordain women, um, certainly mm -hmm. not LGBT inclusive, um, things, things like that. So I was not raising my children with that type of faith, but what I was finding is I wasn't doing anything either right. because almost nothing worked. Um, I'd taken like all the books except for like five, like Desmond Tutu's, <laughs> Desmond Tutu has a, that beautiful God's dream book. Mm -hmm. um, there was, there was um, a, a couple, you know, just a few, like three yeah. or four that were still in the bookshelf. And I, you know, I didn't want to indoctrinate them with anything, but I wanted them to know that there are people of faith who do work for the flourishing of all. Um, mm -hmm. And it, like at that point in time, especially after the 2016 election, I felt like we had just seen a, a really, really bad form of faith on uh, just to be specific, like white evangelical yeah. Christianity on display. Right. Um, and I, I think I wanted to believe that you could change <laughs> the world. <laughs> yeah. And um, so it's not, you know, the, the profiles are not just Christian. It's diverse faiths, um, which was important to me, too. And. I just really wanted to, um, I think probably tell myself and tell my children that, you know, there are, there are people who are motivated, um, by a faith perspective in their life to work for the common good and the, Absolutely. and the common flourishing of all. So and I yeah, think, you, it's been a good I think project. you did it. I want to say, I think you did it because I was struggling with the same thing around the time. I think my daughter was six or so when the book mm -hmm. came out, so maybe seven. And I was, wondering the same thing like i wanted her to open up to all faiths and see that mm -hmm. there's like these are all paths you can take and they all lead to the same place it's always been my thing 
but I didn't have any real way to start these conversations with her other than exactly. like bringing her with me to yoga teacher training and bringing her with me to a church and bringing her with me to a temple. But there, and this book, I think what it does really great is that it allows for the conversations that you want to be having. It kind of forms a container yeah, to like exactly. walk through some of these questions that children might have and present them with new ideas and then start that conversation. Yeah. Well, thank you. Cause that, that's exactly what I was, I was hoping in it's open conversations for, for me. And I get a fair number of adults who, who say similarly, mm -hmm. um, like it was an education writing the book for sure. Writing the glossary was one of the hardest things I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm super proud of it. Cause I think there's like a whole entire, um, you know, uh, courses practically <laughs> that you can start just by like taking um, liberation theology or womanism mm -hmm. or wait, there's original blessing, not just original sin, like right. concepts, like where, like you can just sort of really take it from there. So a lot of people have told me, oh, it really helped me open up a conversation with my daughter about like, oh, actually, you know, our family doesn't see Easter the way that maybe the church down the street is handing out those pamphlets that um, mm -hmm. sounds like it. Um, but we actually still like the story of Jesus and there's some things we want to learn from those teachings too. So I, I think it's, yeah, we all need those little helpful um, prompts maybe. And, and I think couching it within story and real people's lives and experiences just makes it all that more meaningful and memorable. Right. And I think it brings it all in instead of like throwing out the baby with bathwater, because I see that like I started my, yoga career strongly on that on that side and what i saw a lot of is like people throwing away their the religions they grew up with because they didn't connect with it anymore and instead of um kind of blocking it out i think what this book also allows you to do is see your original religion or your relationship with your religion differently mm -hmm. like maybe we don't celebrate easter in the same way but that story is still beautiful in a different way. And sometimes you have to throw it out for a while too, before yeah, yeah. you can even <laughs> circle back. Yeah. True. And I did, I did around the same time. I, so just backstory, this, this interview is about you, but just so you know, my backstory, uh, my parents weren't religious and I ended up being a very religious kid. Like I sought out religion, like mm. that's what I wanted. Um, and they were very open with like, you can choose any of them. And for whatever reason, I chose Catholicism because it was the most, what I saw most adults doing mm. at the time. Um, and I was really turned off by it around 11 or 12, which I think a lot mm. of kids do. And then I just blocked it out, right? Until, you know, I was 30 something. And then I was like, well, if I'm still like, I'm still meditating, but I have this block in my brain, am I really allowing, am I really inclusive of all religions if I can't even step foot in a church without feeling something, you know? So I think that- just had like, an awesome insight in, um, so I'm looking, I'm looking over here because I have a little bookshelf here. There's like yeah. five bookshelves in the house. <laughs> I think it's in the outside one. Um, it's the new beautiful book, um, God is a Black Woman by Christina Cleveland. I'm listening. I'm doing the audiobook now. Oh, I would love to do that one. I just, and it's funny because you brought it up when we were emailing and I'm like, yeah, that book. Well, so you might not have gotten to it yet because it's towards the end. I mean, I just love her pilgrimage mm -hmm. visiting the Black Madonnas in France. Um, and at one point, and this was, I didn't grow up Catholic or have much 
Catholic, um, we were in the like, don't be like Catholics kind of denomination. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she talks about how um, there was a whole group of mystics um, early on who believed that the only way that Mary could have birthed divinity is because she was divine. And so all this time, the Mariology within the Catholic Church has been this like subversive, covert way to have a feminine divine in this like highly patriarchal space. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love that. Yes, <laughs> like, I did get to that part and it's beautiful. And it just reminded me of, it brought back this memory of when I was a child, We, um, my family used to raise money for um, Cubans in Cuba because we were Cuban American. And what we would do is pass around Mother Mary um, kind of in a, in a glass box. And she looked perfectly divine and powerful, like she could birth life on her mm -hmm. own. And that's what mm -hmm. it reminded me of. And I was like, that's what I loved about her. She seems completely whole on her, all on her own, not this other story that we hear about yeah. like being the submissive, like side character to the whole thing. Exactly. I love I love Dr. Cleveland's perspective that she's sharing. And I and I'd heard it somewhere before, but she definitely um gave it a lot more context that uh virgin um can mean not belonging to a man. And right. I was like, yes, I can go for that Virgin Mary. <laughs> <laughs> right, absolutely. Um yeah, and then around the same time, no, not around the same time, before you had written your blog post. Um, God in female form. So I feel like all these things kind of coalesced around the same time. What moved you to write that blog post? What were you going through in your own life that moved you to do so? So I have been um, making my way towards <laughs> um, Mama God, Mother God for some time here and there. Um, I think I was in my 30s, early 30s. Mm -hmm. When I first was in a worship service, and it was a very untraditional um, little uh, <laughs> ragtag congregation um, at the mm -hmm. time in San Francisco, and the worship music um, leader just changed one verse of a, a worship song to feminine pronouns. Mm -hmm. It was a song, I Have a Maker. And it was, she knows my heart. And it just kept going with, with, um, with she's. And I just started weeping in, and it, it weren't even pews, chairs. Um, mm -hmm. I just like, and, and, and I had like heard this before, but somehow singing it, you know, music, like poetry, it just, it moves at a different level. And mm -hmm. I think it can bypass the like rational filters and just really get to the heart. And it was, it just cracked something open in me to, um, sing to, a a god in she form and um a divine feminine and so i started you know just picking up things here and there that i could and you know turns out this is like of course nothing new it's actually been a conversation for a super long time um and in fact like early syriac uh Christianity, which Syriac is still the closest that we have to like Aramaic, which would mm. have been what, what Jesus spoke. Um, you know, Holy Spirit was always feminine. Um, like mm. the texts were always she. Um, commonly, the, um, actually I have this gorgeous picture here. I'll show you. Mm -hmm. um, so in, in all of the Near Eastern um, religions, female deities were often portrayed with birds. Mm. This is, this is oh, one. That's beautiful. Yeah, so this this is supposed to be Sophia Wisdom with a dove. Um, uh, Ellen Sue, 
yeah sue ellen parkinson is the author of uh, painter sorry artist mm -hmm. on that one um and then yeah so i started i just started praying to god as she i only had one daughter then um and at first it felt super weird right. <laughs> really really awkward um and i would just whisper it in her ear you know just very quietly um or when we were at um uh, you know it took me a long time to sort of formally leave the religion i grew up in it goes mm -hmm. goes in circles and cycles and sometimes when we were there especially with family or something i would just whisper in her ear when we were singing songs <laughs> i would i would just put feminine pronouns in um and of course she just you know at first she didn't notice and then she realized i was the weird one doing that um <laughs> <laughs> and then um just this christmas she felted me a mama god oh holding the so world beautiful. and her her back is a is like a forest that's so pretty and she came with a little card that um that said thank you for whispering those feminine pronouns for god oh. in my ear i recognize that now she's 13 now i oh, recognize okay. that as an act of resistance that i really appreciate you doing that i was like oh thank it's you. so beautiful <laughs> i would have crumbled <laughs> oh i did she was like yes my christmas present made mom cry that was my goal <laughs> and then she um she has been teaching she started teaching her younger sister when the younger one was three to pray and she's taught her to pray to mother god and then my little one turned that into mama god on her own Aww. and and she still prays to mama god and she doesn't quite read yet she's just on that cusp and um and i almost mourn when she can and she starts realizing that that's not a pervasive concept um mm. but i do hope that she's gotten sort of enough grounding in there um and we and we go to a little congregation now that's a its own quirky little church where um yeah divine fem feminine um, imagery and pronouns are are frequently used and oh, that's wonderful i, I, st I still kind of tear up sometimes about like how unique a space it is um that they're getting to hear that um i really love um i have a couple i brought a couple books you probably have mm -hmm. seen this gorgeous new one too mother god yes i did oh, i was trying to show, show it in the frame there yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm like, I just love having that laying around the house and her mm -hmm. picking it up. And I think it's great to have these books that it helps, it, you know, we get so much of our authority in our culture from written text, um, mm -hmm. that it's, it's nice for our littles, um, to see, Oh, look, yeah. <laughs> Somebody else talks about mother God. This, this is helpful. And uplift the feminine. Cause I mean, we could do only so much in our house. Yeah, but out in society, that's not necessarily what they're seeing or experiencing. Because around the time you wrote the blog, I asked my daughter, I was like, when you think of God, what does God look like? And of course, mm -hmm. she describes a man. And I was like, mm -hmm. even with all the work I do, you're yeah. still describing a man when you think of God. Yeah, and I was like, why? It's, and she could she couldn't answer. It's the and water so they're swimming in. It's the water we're all swimming in. I mean, it's why even though I had conceptually been there for a long time, um just saying it took time mm -hmm. and then I remember um at some point I used to pray with my with my you know in privately I would pray to mother god or mama god but I wouldn't when other people were around mm -hmm. and when my eldest was probably nine or ten she was like hey why don't you 
<laughs> and I was like, okay, you're right. I need to like align my <laughs> align my language. Um, so I w- I did like mother, father, God for a while, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. as both titles. And it, it is amazing how much it gets this strong visceral reaction from some people mm-hmm. a- and where you realize like how deep rooted the, you know, the misogyny goes in our culture because we've been able to consider, even though the vast, I mean, the vast majority of people say they don't think God has a gender, right? right? Of course, God, God isn't a gender. He isn't like, he is, right? Spirit, right? He, <laughs> he doesn't have a gender. <laughs> but so we've been totally fine for thousands of years conceptualizing a divine with masculine terminology and masculine imagery. Um, even though if intellectually, most people say, oh, God isn't literally a, you know, um, male uh or have a gender like humans think of but you can't you can't then say well then absolutely we can think of god in feminine form and use feminine language and and all of that and the people just they just oh they just feel weird about it which is where you just recognize how deep it goes and uh yes where i first saw that and maybe you wrote it in this blog or a previous one was when glennon's oil started writing about God as a she, the mm-hmm. feminine form of God. And there was, like, it went viral because everybody was so up in arms. Why would you call her she? And of course, they say God has no gender, but I see that as the same as saying, like, instead of Black Lives Matter, all lives matter. Like, yeah. yes, we know, but we're trying to uplift the other because society doesn't treat Black lives right. the same as. Right. Which other. is, um, yeah, you almost can do, I've heard, um, I've heard it described like, there's an implied two at the end of Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter too. We understand. We already understand that technically all lives matter. But we're trying to say, let's just remember Black Lives Matter too. And right. I think you could almost do the same thing with, yes, God is she too. Two. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is one reason why. Um, and the, that blog talks about it. God in feminine form. There's there's several people who I quote there, um, like Dr. Elizabeth Johnson and. Um, Reverend Dr. Will Gaffney. I have her book here. Super highly recommend this. Um, a Woman's Lectionary for the Whole Church by uh, Dr. Gaffney. Um, her translations of the Psalms are just wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, but this concept that you you just can't go to gender neutral immediately. That's mm-hmm. what a lot of people would like to do. Um, right. Sue Monkhead made this point also in Dance of the Dissident Daughter, which was one of those mm-hmm. sort of originating texts for me of like... Mm-hmm whoa right uh, my religion is pretty patriarchal and yeah. uh, uh i have been pretty not aware of i mean i knew it was but it, it really helped open it to just how much um and she just says you know she often gets pushback from you know clergy who are like oh my congregation is gonna just go absolutely you know i'm gonna get run out <laughs> if i use she let's just go with let's just say god let's just try gender right. neutral and she was like no it doesn't land in your body Hmm. that way we have thousands of years of art music liturgy right. even even you know it, it's it's western culture it doesn't matter whether you're specifically religious or mm-hmm. not um it of you know there's the sistine chapel <laughs> there's right. probably that's probably the original that's probably the picture that comes to most people's minds is that bearded white mm-hmm. male <laughs> figure yeah. um and it, it's in there like whether we want it to be or not, we, we can't help but have it be in there. I mean, our kids are going to see billboards just driving down the, down the road with um, he's all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be there. So we, we cannot just jump to God because of all the conditioning that we've had. Right. We are, we are going to 
feel it in our body as as male so you we have to and that doesn't mean that non-binary terms for god don't matter too you know non-binary mm-hmm. gender queer people are also beloved divine uh divine images and that we also need that terminology but we cannot just skip the feminine mm-hmm. language and metaphors and imagery to go straight to gender neutral which makes a lot of people a lot more comfortable right so we have to sit in the discomfort of well, why does it why does goddess bother me and god mm-hmm. doesn't and why why can't i experience um the goddess she when i are you know start to imagine a presence um and what i do find also because i started talking about a nonviolent easter story publicly before i started talking about feminine divine um and i also realized that it was the moment I stopped thinking of God as male, it was never an issue for me as to whether or not God required some sort of blood sacrifice of an mm. innocent. Like I could never imagine mama God right, in her giant lap and, you know, nurturing sustenance <laughs> that way. It just com- right. completely changed my perspective. Um, I've been reading another book by, I, I, you probably know this author, Sharon Blackie. Mm-hmm. If Woman Rose Rooted. I haven't um, read that one. She's a scholar of Celtic mythology. Mm. Um, she has a new book coming out soon called Hagitude. I'm excited about. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and she really um, also talks about the disrespect for women mirrors the disrespect for the earth. Like the mm-hmm. earth and the feminine have yeah. long been completely intertwined. Um, and uh it's it's reflective they go together the devastation we have done to the earth mm-hmm. is partially um reflected it, you know it's it's what we've done to women too so absolutely and going back to how like feminine god lands in the body i go back to dr christina cleveland's book mm-hmm. she starts off that book um god is a black woman by saying how unsafe she felt when she believes that God was a white man. Mm-hmm. Because if God is a white man, then she is not safe in this world. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking, like, even though I'm not a black woman, I'm a Latin woman, how unsafe that feels when I consider it. Mm-hmm. Because it means I'm always secondary. I don't have my own power. I can't mm-hmm. do things for myself. I can't birth the divine, you know, mm. if I think of God as a white man. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it does change things when you start to say goddess or she, it, mm-hmm. it changes your, your whole experience, right? If you mm-hmm. can, it, it colors everything we do, right? If we are thinking that the world is run mm-hmm. by a white man, then my right. place is always secondary. Right. To that. And you can see how well we've done with white men in charge of this world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. You're you're 100 percent on that. And it it's one of those things that I think there's like Mother God energy is is coming um, mm-hmm. into like a, a new feeling. Um, it's it's just something I've, I've been kind of watching for a few years here and there. Um, and I used to think like it was rare to hear somebody talk about she and God. And now I, I see it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um it, it excites me because I, yeah. I think it's something that's required for our, you know, 
kind of as humanity as a whole. <laughs> and, and honestly, I believe that whether or not you're a religious person or not, um, yes. because religion is such a dominant force in our world and it's been, um, you know, we can just stick within Christianity for how, um, how, how bad that dominance has been. We, we have to have this uh, correction. Right. Um, it, it, it affects uh, every level of, you know, society, even if you don't ascribe to a religious perspective. Yeah. I was even thinking today of like, um, when I think of mother God, I think of like, as a mother, um, and not saying that you have to be a mother to experience the, the idea of a mothering force or, or right. nurturing force. I think of a being that accepts me no matter what, whereas right. where I think of a male God, there are conditions to my acceptance. Mm -hmm. There's good and bad. I did yep. right and wrong, but a mother will accept you no matter what. There's a profile in um, Holy Troublemakers, just flip into it, mm -hmm. that it's actually one of the, um, there's several that are up for, for anybody to read. This is one of them. It's Kate Christensen Martin. Mm -hmm. And um, she talks about mothering in a genderful way. Mm -hmm. It's not, ex it's not particular to any gender. And it's about um, like taking care of, people seeing them for who they are un that unconditional love you're talking mm -hmm. about right. and working to help fiercely protect that essence um nurturing them and so she says that jesus was a man who mothered the world and the first time i heard her say that again i just broke open because that was just such an incredible way to mm -hmm. frame the teachings and the the life of jesus as a mothering right. act um and she, you know, she says she doesn't use parenting because again, it's the same thing. Like we just can't go gender neutral because we have minimized mothering mm -hmm. because it's associated with the feminine. And so she's intentionally using that, that word to, um, help elevate it. Um, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. The mothering divine energy is this all welcoming, all loving, you know, potent force that, I, I just can't feel, I, I just don't have that sense of fear around like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think it also colors who we believe is a value, not only in that mm -hmm. like yogic perspective, like the namaste to see the divine in you, but also in how people are valued, like not just economically of what you can contribute mm -hmm. financially, but how right. you love, how you take care of your neighbors, how, right. what you create, uh, art, poetry, music, all those things become elevated under a mother god that aren't elevated under a male god. So I know you went and grabbed God as a black woman for everyone to see. Um, I did. Here you go. I was just mentioning off camera that I've been like not wanting it to end as I listened on audiobook for the last two chapters. Um, it's made me think of not only God as a woman, but God as a white man and kind of the dichotomy of that and how it really it changes the way you see the world. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I mean, racism made God white and sexism made God a man and <laughs> it hasn't been good for anyone really. No. <laughs> I mean, I would argue it's not really good for white men either. No. Um, it, it, uh, they, they need to be freed from toxic patriarchy too. Yeah. Or actually, pa patriarchy, toxic masculinity. <laughs> toxic masculinity and patriarchy. Yeah. I was just, um, I was reading a book on sobriety and I wish I could think of the name of the book now and I'll put it in the show notes when I think of it. But the, 
the author says that AA or Alcoholics Anonymous yeah. was made for white men. And that's why you have to, as part oh. of the steps, you have to humble yourself. Whereas when like women and under other marginalized communities go into AA, they're like, wait, I'm already humbled. Like I've already been bowing my head and walking on my knees. You know, I need somebody to like yeah. lift me up. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. The other, the other um, thing I'll show, and this is also, I can, I can send these to you if you can put in your show notes. This mm -hmm. is another profile from Holy Troublemakers that's available online. This is um, Reverend Dr. Will Gaffney. Mm -hmm. She's the one who wrote the woman's lectionary for the whole church I was showing you too. And her womanist madrash is also incredible. Um, but one of the things she says is as long as we have a male God at the top of the hierarchy, nothing else we do will matter. Like it, it really has got to change. Right. And um, she's a scholar of many languages um, and a professor. And, and she likes to ask her students to come up with their favorite name for God. And that's the discussion prompt at the end of her profile is what is your favorite name for God? And I, I love sometimes hearing back. I've seen a couple um, times where like youth groups did, did a project around that and came up with all these different like names for God that were either non gendered or feminine gendered. That's and, such a great project to do with uh, in the family too. Yeah. Even a crafting project. I know your daughter mm. in the blog post, you put some of the pictures your daughters have made of, like the feminine form of God. And that's so cool yes. to be able to like construct your own idea. Yes. And in fact, my little one <laughs> had not done one. She's only six. And she saw that blog post because she saw me working on it. And she saw that her older sister's painting was in there. So she she drew a picture for me to include. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I have it taped over here on my wall. So I'm, I'm grabbing it. So it's so cute. You did a little. Oh. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> She's like, I want to be famous too. I want, right. I want to break her heart that like probably mama's blog isn't famous, but um. <laughs> it's funny because my daughter says the same thing. She's like, well, you have a podcast, so you're kind of famous. I was like, sure. <laughs> oh, it but has I been amazing. It has been amazing. I think for these kids, this generation. And like, I would talk about mama God with my kids if I had boys too. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's equally important for boys to grow up with the concept that girls and women are, are the divine image. Um, mm -hmm. also, um, you know, it, it does damage to their souls as yeah. well. Um, yeah. so yeah, I think it's important that we talk about this with all, all the genders of all the kids in our lives. Absolutely. And I think I always like to do on the podcast, something at like home that people can do on their own. And I think that's the perfect project to start to consider, what is the gender of God when you think of God? Can you think of it differently? Could you draw it? Could you write about she, her as God? Yeah. And it's funny how much effort it will probably take. Even yeah. very young children have probably gotten the message that God is a boy. Oh, um, probably a white, probably a white boy if they, <laughs> yeah. if they pushed uh, a lay fast. And um, I think it's a great idea to do at home. And it could be great to find conception like artistic cons conceptions that people have done mm -hmm. that do not look like the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> right. Um, actually, so Harmonia Rosales 
does incredible artwork. And in fact, it's on Dr. Cleveland's, um, who wrote God is a Black mm -hmm. Woman, Instagram that I probably first came across her artwork. Um, so that's a great place to scroll to see. She pretty much only posts art by Black women now. So yeah. it, it's, it's really a great source. Um, but so, yeah, Harmonia has taken classic works of art like the Sistine Chapel and and put black women in those roles that we're oh, so used to cool. and it's really powerful to find yeah. so I think that could be an awesome little like family project of trying to find depictions of the divine that are not you know um the ones that you've sort of grown accustomed to and you create your own and come up with names Dr. Cleve um, Dr. Um, Gaffney I should say in the back of a woman's lectionary for the whole church has a whole um, index mm -hmm. of um, divine names and titles. Oh, and some wow. of them are in the Psalms. Um, she, so one of the things she does is she helps restore the original grammar to mm. the text, especially, so she's, she's especially a scholar of um, the Hebrew Bible. Um, she would not call it the Old Testament because um, that's, <laughs> that's sort of a uh, superior Christian perspective that the, I hadn't the thought one. of it that way, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so the Jewish scriptures, um, she's a scholar of, and, you know, she says, whatever you think theologically or biologically, grammatically, God is she in mm. any time you've seen spirit, a God's spirit, anything like that. Um, God is she, and, um, just grammatically, that's how those languages worked. Um, and one of the ways that the translators got around that is they just use the proper noun all the time. I go into that mm. in detail in her chapter in uh -huh. Holy Troublemakers which I can send you for your show notes because it's one that's up there for anybody yeah. to read. It's just holytroublemakers.com slash Rev, um, Rev, Rev Gaffney. I think it's Rev Gaffney. I'll send it to you. Um, sure. So they just got around it by using proper nouns instead mm. of pronouns. So instead of throwing in a you or, or a he or a she, they mm -hmm. just always said God's spirit or the spirit of God. So right. it's, it, just, it just went, it was like a workaround. <laughs> Because anytime you see that, that's a she that like right. just grammatically, no matter what else you think, grammatically, that's a she. Mm -hmm. um, so she has restored those repressed she's to the text. And then she translated the Psalms fully in feminine divine language because so many people pray the Psalms and she thinks it's a good experience for everyone to experience praying to God in feminine form. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really powerful. Some of the, um, titles that she uses. I mean, she has a lot of um, like gender neutral ones from ageless God, all knowing God, faithful God, exalted one, majesty. But then she also has mother of all, mother of creation, mother of wisdom, um, womb of creation, womb of life. She who is majesty, she who is peace, she who birthed the earth, um, she who is delight, she who hears the rock who gave us birth. Um, it's just, it yeah. it's so beautiful hearing those titles and you just realize how starved we are to hear something other than, you know, all of the masculine stuff that, that we've heard. And, yeah. um, so I, I just highly recommend it as a practice. It's quite beautiful and powerful and, and really, really that. subversive. Like it's a very subversive thing <laughs> that you can just do around the dinner table. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, I'd love to hear before we go. I know you got to run. But I would love to hear how praying in this way changed your walking life. Like, how does it make you move differently in the world? Mm. I think it has definitely given me permission to feel more embodied. 
Hmm. and more comfortable i definitely grew up in a tradition that was super not embodied like we didn't dance (laughs) we we were not we were not in touch with our bodies it was all a head (laughs) yeah only the head up kind of experience (laughs) so it has been a personal um thing for me to to become more embodied and comfortable in my body and i think that concept of a of a mothering god not only gives me that sense of unconditional love and acceptance exactly how i am it just give such recognition to my body in this stage of life that is a mother's body that has gone through the process of giving birth and creating life and sustaining life. Um, One of my favorite um, things that Dr. Gaffney points out is that the root word, um, and there's some, I've seen this in some other scholarship now that I've started reading around. So the root word of compassion in Mm -hmm. Hebrew is, is womb. It's the same word as womb. Um, so whenever you talk about God's compassion, that is God's mother love, womb love. Wow. Um, and, uh, I grew up hearing this song by Amy Grant a lot called El Shaddai, mm-hmm. um, which was probably not one you heard in the Catholic circles no. so much, but it was <laughs> any, anybody in your listeners who grew up evangelical Christian or adjacent to that, which I was kind mm-hmm. of adjacent to that, uh, probably heard Amy Grant's El Shaddai. It's a, it's a beautiful song actually, um, about the names of God. And El Shaddai, the root word means um, many breasted one. Like it's a Uh reference to a God who sustains her people. And this is, you know, and Dr. Gaffney points out like this is like this is this um, at this time of history. The only way babies get nourishment is through breasts. (laughs) There are no bottles. (laughs) There's no pump. (laughs) There's no formula. Um, It's a so it's a very important part of life is Mm. is breasts, lactating breasts. And um, like, I think just feeling the respect for that of Mm -hmm. of my body um, has given me a sense of um, just peace peace in, in who I am, like that has definitely come from a shift to thinking of God and feminine form. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing that um, caused a shift in me was uh, Dr. Cleveland when she said, when you think of a mother God or a black female God, you're no longer ashamed to ask for what you need mm-hmm. because that mother will respond. Mm-hmm. Whereas like white male God will not respond. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I think that that took a lot of shame away from this idea that you have to be all strong all the time and be completely mm-hmm. self-sufficient and never need anything from anyone to be like to reach out. You know, yeah, be- absolutely. I mean, white male God and capitalism have gone together really well. Yeah. <laughs> Match made in heaven or yeah. hell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Might turn out to be that place. <laughs> Well, I'm so grateful that you came on the podcast. I would love to continue this in the in the comments. And also, I know we're going to have a long resource list of all the books you mentioned along with your um, blog. But I didn't you mention you're working on a Mother God book? Or did yes, I invent that in yes, my head? Yes. Yes. So the hopeful. next book that will come out... Um, and I'm so excited because we were just serious. The our artist um, has got the cover design now. So it's it's a prayer book to Dear Mama God. So it's super simple, super like just um, wonder, gratitude kind of prayers, mm-hmm. um, like just little one lines throughout the book that are all things that I heard my youngest say when mm-hmm. she was four and five and ha- was just starting to like pray on her own to 
to mama god and so it's not actually that revolutionary in the sense that it's like it's just a children's picture book of prayers um but it's addressed to mama god but at the so. same time it is because saying mama god is revolutionary yes yes and it's a great resource for someone like me that doesn't know where to start on you know yeah prayer. exactly just yeah. having it lying around your house <laughs> right <laughs> maybe they'll pick it up um but yeah i'm really excited for that we'll make a big announcement when it comes out do you know around when it'll be coming out yes um press will be in september it should be out in october i mean the uh i feel like you should pat everything by month right now is my experience press presses are having still the unprecedented situations mm -hmm. um of the pandemic so um but for sure by early november if not late october Beautiful. Congratulations. I can't wait to see it. Um, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It thank great you. It was you. great to chat. Bye-bye. Right. See you soon. Thank you for joining me here on the Wild Wonder Podcast. Before you go, please remember to like, comment, subscribe, and share with a friend. Want more? Please join us on patreon.com forward slash wild wonder. Until next time.